know if you heard that all, but that's one of the greatest tributes I've ever heard to a woman. And I just salute everything that she just said. Also, thank you to Miss Melissa. Where did she go? Wherever she is. Thank you, Melissa. That was an awesome song. Wasn't that great? Wow. I love it. I, uh, we, we had such an awesome time yesterday, and I, ha I hate to refer to it in order that it might put any kind of condemnation on anybody that wasn't there. But let me make it very, no, I'm, I won't do that. For everyone that didn't get to attend, my heart really is saddened because, not because you weren't one more in number, but because you missed a grand event. And we had such an awesome time yesterday. And uh, I love all of you so much, and thank you for being a part of what God is doing with all of us together. Yesterday, I just mentioned and, and spoke for a short time on the power of influence that women have and the innate ability, the gifting that God gave us and placed within us as a gender of people. And I wanted to say that I got to use that influence today by, uh, I want you all to look to my left and see the floral tie on Pastor Clark today. <laughs> Every man needs to know if you want to be in, you have to be able to wear a floral tie. Just saying. And uh, it looks very good on you, by the way, but just saying. But, uh, you know, I'm sure they won't hear this, but, you know, how many of us know that if we didn't tell them or get what they need to wear, they may not wear the right thing? Y'all know what I'm saying. No, some of you don't probably agree with that, but just, just moving right along. Okay, thank you very much for the gifts. I love it. I'm, I am a bit nostalgic today, and I don't know if it's nostalgia or if it is... But some, I know it's just the overwhelming presence of God, especially after leaving Beaumont and the altar invitation. And I want to let us know, I know we've got lots of students probably upstairs for Anthem Alive. At the end, I'd like for them to come back in. They're in? Okay, they're in. Oh, okay, awesome. Uh, wherever you are, all of you students, I'm going to be able to speak to you today as well. I know it's Mother's Day. And I do have a portion of the message that will be directed for mothers. But today, uh, because we had a day yesterday for women, my comments, I'm not sure. Is that okay? Can y'all hear? I can't hear. Now, let me see. Uh, today, no, I can't. I can't hear at all. Something happened. Now, I can. Yeah, something came on. Okay, um, yesterday I was able to speak to just women. Today it's a mixed crowd, and I want my comments will also include the men. However, there will be times I will use the word mother uh, in a mothering generation where we are raising up another one, but that also includes men, okay? Are you okay with that? Uh, but it is... Uh, Something I'm sharing today is something that a couple of years ago, the Lord really put this into my heart, and I did some research on it and shared some of it with you already uh, and felt really strongly to, again, bring it back up with some additional things and freshness and newness. I, I don't want it. Thank you. I, can y'all not hear me? It's not right. Well, can we turn it up because I need to use my hands. Okay, let me try it. Is that better? Okay, let me see if I can get it close to my face. Okay. Hang on. We're going to get this back. Okay. No, it's just not now. Better? Yes. Okay, well, we'll keep this close just in case. Uh, yeah, because I've got to stir up the gifts today. How many of y'all got this? Oh, let's get it to them then. They didn't get it. Okay, yeah. Uh, all the ladies, 
every lady in here, hope that's not a price tag. <laughs> oh my Jesus, I think it is. Okay, well, we'll get it right off because it's invaluable. <laughs> okay, we're going to stir up the gifts. I'm going to talk to you from 2 Timothy, the sixth chapter. No, the first chapter, the sixth verse that says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God. Make sure every woman gets one. Okay, and then if there are any left over, we're going to give some to the men too because they need to learn how to stir up the gift. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying? The gift on the stove and the gift inside of you. And I hope you've stirred up some good gifts at home already because Pastor and me worked hard to think of a restaurant we could go to today, and we couldn't think of one that wasn't going to be full when we get through. So I think if we just stay longer then maybe the restaurants will have cleared out. That sounds like a good strategy, yeah. No, not for you? Okay. Uh, so, I'm going to talk to you about stirring up the gift and because I believe that God is definitely stirring something within each of us, all of us, as the church of the living God, yes. However... There is a place in God that he is taking us where we will be so stirred by him that we won't be shaken by the things that are happening around us. And I, I do realize that we are living in a very, very, very shaking society. Uh, it's unusually difficult. The crisis that we're hearing about are more... Uh, seemingly worse than we've heard of and, and uh, not as far apart, almost to the, to the degree that we're numb and we've been deadened and don't feel and we're emotionless because there's been so many crises happened. And, but yet, to some degree, it has shaken the foundation of certainly our nation and the world corporately, spiritually. It has been a shaking go on from all kind of things collapsing around us. And there is no question about it that we're passing through one of the greatest climactic turning points in history ever known to man. It's a paradigm shift that's going on. The whole world and in its future, uh, it's, been, it's never been like this in eras past, uh, according to statistics. And people that uh, are, are giving uh, some st uh, statistics, statisticians, are calling it epochs, E-P-O-C-H-S. It's clear that we're living in such a time that no one has ever seen what we are seeing today. So these are definitely momentous days. We can either be filled with dread and anxiety and fear, or we can allow the gifts of God to be stirred up within us and be filled with hope. That's where I want to bring you to today, that this is the greatest day in the history of mankind. And as we look at the direction the world has taken us, we have to have not worldly hope, but godly hope. We have to have the hope that's built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Aren't you glad you know him? Do you really know him? I hope you do. I hope you do. The, the world crisis that we are in right now, everyone is questioning everything and everybody, and there is a major, 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 major shaking going on. And we, we understand that and know that by the Spirit. Now, here's the deal. Man always gets himself in trouble. And I don't mean man the gender. I mean humanity, right? We have this way because ultimately we mess things up because we have this somehow idea that we can perfect everything and get it right. Here's a quick little tip for you. We will never get it perfect. 
because it is a fallen world. We will never get it right. But here's the thing. God is the fixer, and he is the only one that can make things perfect. It is a fallen world. I've told so many people recently, as this has been so deep in my spirit, that so many things that we don't understand, and even as late as yesterday, I went to, uh, I, I didn't, the, the wake or the, 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 the viewing or before the service, the actual funeral of a young man that's only 19 years old that was taken ahead of his time, it seems, and just a precious young man that had given his heart to God. But because, and this has happened so many times in the last week, that's the thing. You will see patterns. You won't have heard of anything. Then you'll all of a sudden start hearing of a bunch of things that are, there's things that are loosed and unveiled. And in the recent days, the same thing that happened to this young man, I've heard of others that happening to is just with a cold or a flu and then the pneumonia. And before you know it, septic. And within just a few hours, he's gone. And... And you, we didn't remember or didn't hear those kind of things previously. But there's so many crises. And for a young man that loves God and a family that loves God, you just cannot make sense out of that. No, we can't make sense out of it. It's just what it is. You have to believe God and trust God even when bad things happen to good people. We still trust God. We don't understand it. Don't, don't start another theology and say, you know, God takes the best ones. No, God doesn't do that. God is good and all the time the devil is bad all the time. God does good, the devil does bad. We just got to get that straight. But in the midst of that, there is a shaking, and that's where we have to understand the difference, that we will not be shaken, while yet we will stir up what God has placed within us. So I, uh, I did a little research, and I, I think I shared this with you previously in some, at some point, but uh, I did a little research on Mr. Bond. Yes, James Bond. And, uh, and I did find out about his, you know, everybody knows the theme song. And his deal was for his martinis or his, what, his vodka or whatever he, ha uh, whatever he drank. And I am not advocating alcohol at all. In fact, right the opposite because you're going to find out what I'm trying to talk about. How, but... He, his motto was, I want it shaken, not stirred. Well, after you find out all about this shaken business and not stirred, you'll find out that, hey, Mr. Bond, that really isn't working for you. And scientists tell us from Britain that if he had drank as much as he said he did, he'd be a dead man. There's no way he could walk. So really wasn't working for him. And uh, it's not working for us. I truly believe the Word of God. I'd rather be stirred than shaken any day. And you're going to understand that as we get into the Word. But the mantra for, for this world today is, look, we are shaken because we are not stirred. That's the problem. We have a generation and possibly a church world that gets get stirred at times, but doesn't have continual stirring. I have this recipe that my aunt gave me, and it's one of my favorites, or one of the favorites in our household. It's a chocolate sauce. It's hot chocolate. Now I'm going to make you hungry. It is so good. It's awesome. And you put it over this cake that you make from scratch, and it, you, you stick holes in it, and you pour this hot chocolate uh, stuff over the top of it. It is the unbelievably rich but so smooth and just goes down so easy. And so I have to double the recipe every time because Pastor Randon, he gets him a bowl of that on the side with a little bit of cake. And, uh, but here's the deal. I ha the recipe calls that I have to stir without ceasing or it is all not. You have to throw the whole batch away. 
It doesn't work. Nothing happens. You can't just start and run over here and do something else. Stir it and forget about it and go do something else. You have to keep it stirred the whole time. And so I, I, I just remembered that when I was making it the last time that, look, there are times that, that all of us feel stirred, but we don't keep stirring. And so things burn, things just get destroyed, and things happen because we only get stirred when we're trying to make a presentation or when something is really important at the moment. But God wants to keep us stirred, and you can live with that in your life. So uh, I am believing, these are some things I found out when I taught, when I looked the difference in shaking and stir was you must... Uh, must be stirred in order to maintain clarity, to remain with clarity and texture. Shaking a drink is quite violent and necessarily always introduces air bubbles into the mix. And it weakens the overall authenticity when you shake it. You don't have an authenticity because it dissolves the contents. And it, did, and it has no oil contents at that point. Why do we need oil? We need the oil because, oh, my goodness, that oil just causes things to slide, just slide off. I love that. Just let it slide because the oil of the Holy Spirit that we have to have, it keeps us from being offended, keeping grudges, nurturing grudges, nursing grudges, all of that stuff. The Holy Spirit just says, let it slide. Let it slide. I've got better things to do. I've got to keep on moving. But something about being shaken causes it to leave. And, and you have no oil to keep the wheel moving and running and keep your, keep your things that God has called you to do going. So what does it mean, the concept of being stirred by God? Let's start in the Old Testament real quickly. In Exodus, always in slavery they were in Egypt. God was ready to provide them a place where they could always worship him, the one true living God, because they always find themselves going back to idolatry. He would stir them up, and, but he would stir them, but then they would lose that effect and they turned back to idolatry. And this is what it says in Exodus, the 35th verse, the 21st, the 35th chapter, the 21st verse. He stirred their hearts to action. All whose hearts, all whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed for the tabernacle, for the performance of its rituals and for the sacred garments because they were stirred by the obedience of God and they could face adversity. And in every single case known in history and in the Bible where people's hearts were stirred by God, they were moved to obedience, they overcame their enemy. But when they looked away and when they got busy doing other things and they didn't obey and act out the will of God, then they were often overwhelmed and overcome by their enemy. And this is what we find out in the Word of God. In fact, in Acts, the 17th chapter, Paul says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city holy given to idolatry. I, I think about that and wonder if we as the people of God get angry or do we get mad? Do we get offended or do we get stirred? Does the Holy Spirit begin to stir the gifts inside of us when we see a world, a lost world and a city that doesn't know Jesus like it should and a generation that may not yet have encountered what we've encountered? Do we get angry? Do we get messed up? Do we get mad? Do we do get disappointed and, and just leave everything or do we stir up the gifts that are on the inside of us? Everything we need, we have on the inside of us to reach this world. I can promise you God would not have placed us here in such a perilous time 
we are the most exciting generations known to man right now as we come together in a synergizing because it is the worst of times and the best of times. It is the worst of times in that the world has never seen what we are seeing right now, especially in our nation here in the United States. But I can tell you, there is an under and there is a swelling, a ground swelling of people of God that are stirring up the gifts and are making sure that they are going to have the right gift at the right time, whether it's a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of knowledge, a gift of knowledge, whatever we need, God wants us to have that available when we when it is the right time. I think quite fitting for us to use this bartending terminology or analogy because in Acts, the real spirit was the Holy Spirit. Wine is called spirit, but the real spirit was the Holy Spirit. And if you remember in Acts, uh, the second chapter, they were in an upper room and they were spilling out and uh, they were acting drunk, and they said, but they're drunk on wine. And Peter said, no, 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 no. They're not drunk on wine because it's just 9 o'clock in the morning. They are drunk on the Holy Spirit, the new wine that God, the promise that God had given them has come upon them. So in bartending, the difference between shaken and stirred is that when you're shaken, you exist alone, all by yourself, because everything has been shaken off of you, and you are just one person. You don't have any Holy Spirit added to it. It is shaken, and you are in pure anxiety and fear. But when you're stirred by the Spirit of God, this is what it says, even in the dictionary. It says, when you're, it, you exist alone if you're shaken, but when you are stirred, the bartender is putting his special stir into the core of who you are and changing your existence completely. Did anybody get that? Awesome to think that the stirrer of the gifts, the original one that puts his stir on the inside of us and begins to stir up the gifts of God on the inside of us until we don't look like we would look. Naturally, we have the God thing on us. We have the kingdom thing on us. Now, I want to share with you a quick illustration in the Word of God that, uh, th that does something for me in a different way. This is probably the mother portion a little bit of this message. It's Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem from Matthew, the 21st chapter, the first verse. Matthew tells it in a way that it makes sense to me. Now, all of the, four of the Gospels record, uh, or at least two of them record this, but Matthew saw something that's so clear to me. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said, and as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Unite them, say them, and bring them, say them, to me. If anyone asks what you were doing, just say the Lord needs them. So tell them the Lord needs you. Then tell yourself, the Lord needs me. Okay. This took place to fulfill the prophecy. And tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Wow. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over them and sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road. Watch this. Y'all know what garments? Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It means praises right here. Praises are all around. I mean, they are under your feet. They're on top of you. You are surrounded by the praises of God. And so most of the crowd spread the garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of this procession. And the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
Jesus is seated on the garments. Jesus will visit the people of God who are ushering him in with praise. Now, we have heard about this. We preached on it so many times on Palm Sunday. We preached on the praises of God. Recently, I preached to you and talked to you about lift up your heads, O ye gates, and the King of glory shall come in. It's different when, uh, let me just back up and say this. My dad, I, I learned so much from him growing up, but I think even since his passing, I remember so many things that just his life was teaching me. But I remember when he would be struggling with this generational thing, and he'd just say things like, you know, I just, I'm trying to get in it, but it's just jumpy, jumpy, jumpy. You know, and I'm saying, but Dad, I'm so grateful for a generation of believers, of young people that are jumping for God. And he said, yeah, but they're just jumpy, jumpy, jumpy. And I said, but Dad, you're just mad because you can't jumpy, jumpy, jumpy. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, there was underneath some of that, there was something he was trying to get over to me that I so desperately want to help this generation with and help us see because there is a coming together of generations. But somewhere in this, I could see that my dad was trying to say, there's more to worship and praise than just the emotion or the physical exercise of it. And I want this generation to know and get. I sometimes wonder if we don't, and I heard one of our pastors say recently that I so concur with, possibly we are worshiping worship instead of worshiping the worshiper. I, I, I really struggle a bit with that, never struggling with the emotion. Don't dare not be jumpy. We need jumpies. We need everybody jumping. We need it. Some of us can't do it as well as you. We need you jumping. But in the midst of that, I am praying and believing, and this is where I will bring in also the mother who is the ultimate mother of all mothers. Her name was called Mary. There is something about Mary. I know that's a movie. This is not. This is reality. There's something about Mary that just speaks to me, not just because she was the mother of God. Oh, my goodness, she was the mother of God. Wow. Think of it, ladies. Think of it, gentlemen, that here is a woman that God chose the profile. We would think that it had to have all these credentials, but this woman only had to have a few, and this was one of them. She was ordinary, which made her extraordinary. But she was an ordinary, which spoke to every person that beneath all the aim and all the fortune, there still is an ordinary person. And for those who never feel like you're good enough, an ordinary mother brought in a son of God. I mean, literally birthed God into a world. Who would do that? But then... In Luke, the first chapter, the 26th verse, it starts to talk about this angel called Gabriel. And if you know anything about Gabriel, he was huge. He visits her. First of all, she doesn't run out, and we don't have any, any text where she had an accident and had to change her clothes or anything. She evidently may have been familiar with encounters. She might have been familiar with angelic encounters, or at least divine encounters, it says to me, because she embraced it immediately with all of what it would bring around her. But here is a willing person, Vessel. Here is a woman that made room for the Son of God, that stretched herself and said, I'm willing to be changed and moved if you will only use me. And then here is a woman that here has an angelic encounter. And this is what I, I realized in that, that possibly, could it be, and I believe with all my heart it is, that in this generation, that we are carriers, as this donkey was, not to call you donkeys, but this donkey was a carrier of the presence of God. We bring Jesus to a world that needs, needs him in every facet. In every facet of life, we need him. Could it be that the very ones that God would choose in this last day are those that are saying, I 
have had an encounter. I believe that a supernatural encounter with the living God is the change factor in everybody's life. It, it can't be your mother's encounter. It can't be your daddy's. And listen to every iPod, pad, whatever you need to listen to. Listen to every message, every testimony. But at the end of the day, you've got to have your own personal encounter with God if you're going to bring him to a world that needs him because they get who you are, not what you say you have. Whatever you have and whatever has changed you is what's going to influence everybody around you. So I just have to stop for a moment and pray that there would be a supernatural, divine encounter for every person. Yes, even beyond salvation, although though that's the greatest of all. But beyond that... God would begin to show up with supernatural dreams and visions like he said in the last days that he would pour it out on his, his spirit upon all flesh, our sons and our daughters. God, we just thank you that special encounters are coming to every single person. Now, if you are afraid, God will so take that fear away from you. As I was walking out of the Beaumont Church a while ago, I had been texting and praying over a lady that was in my small group, and she has dealt with so much fear and anxiety and has been just to a point that it has almost left her paralyzed, even though she's a high-profile lady in Beaumont. But she came running out as I was getting to my car and said, I have to tell you, just into your message this morning, it, you had only just got started. Something came over me. Peace. I have no more anxiety. I am ready to do what God's called me to do. It is completely gone. I am totally set free and delivered. And I've tried to get rid of this for 20 years, but it is gone in Jesus' name. I don't know. I didn't do anything. But I can tell you she had an encounter with God that she will never forget. And it's those things that get us in a place that stirs us so greatly that we demand, we make a demand on the deposit that is within us. We call it forth and say, come forth. Words of wisdom start coming out of us. Where instead of saying, I don't have anything to say, all of a sudden, when you've had an encounter with a true living God in a supernatural way that you didn't fix or control, Somehow, God has a way of stirring things up in you that haven't been stirred in years. Can I get an amen? There are some of you in the room. This, this scripture in 11.1, 1, it says that they were bound. Go into the village over there, and as soon as you enter it, and you see a donkey and a colt that's tied, you un bound them. Tudor came and preached us a message about unlocking. And from the moment Bishop Tudor stood in that pulpit in, in Beaumont and began to release things in the heavenlies, we have seen some things unlock over this area. And some of you are saying, yeah, he unlocked rain. He did. It's been unlocked around here for the last few weeks. But there's some spiritual rain that's coming too. And we're sensing some deliverance and some healing and some unlocking of gifts that have been so dormant for so many years, stir them up, stir them up. Sometimes you don't have to look outside, just look within what God has already done and stir up the gifts of God on the inside of you. And so it said to them, this is what's interesting though, it was them, it was two of them. And this is where I want you to get this message, mothering generation, that would be me and a few more, and grandmothering generation, and the rest of you that may not want to admit it, but you're part of this generation as well. And that is those of us that have been there, done some things, we're older, we've, but there is a little bit of anxiety of what is this new cult, because in this scripture it says that no one has ever ridden, but he put him on him that little colt, and we're saying, oh, God, don't let them, don't let them be the carriers because they've never done this before. But there is this thing I found. It's Roger. I forgot his last name. They might have a video of it. I sent it to you, of where this runner in 1954 broke the four-minute mile run. Uh, the whole thing, it's never been done before or since. 
But I didn't study about him. I studied how he won it, and it's called Pacers. Can y'all say Pacers? Here's what happens. There were four people that, that ran along beside him that it says they were on the, I don't know if we can see them or not, but I found them in one video. I don't know if it's that one. But it talks about the four pacers. And what the four pacers were sent there to do, they had done this before, and they were sent there to encourage, to strengthen, to warn, mm -hmm, and to cause them to make the destiny complete and to finish their course. That sounds like me. That sounds like some of you in here. Now, young people, I may not be talking directly to you right now, but I'm getting to you in just a minute. Let me talk to a mother and generation because here's what the Word of God says. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives will be released, released and prisoners will be set free. Here's the thing. You may not feel like you have anything left, you're not qualified anymore, possibly, but God is requalifying you again right now because it is not over yet. We still have work to do. He said, bring both of them, and them means more than one generation. And when you bring them together, I want you to make sure you untie both of them. So the mother generation has got to get untied with prejudices, with anxieties and fears that they're not going to do the right thing at the right time and all the unqualified things that we think about, and I'm going quickly, but you know they're there in our lives, but there's something that they have to do as well, that the youth and the cult has to do. Because at the end of the day, we have to finish this race strong. And if you don't do it for yourself, do it for the next generation and for the next generation. Make sure that you are encouraging and strengthening and holding up this next generation and egging them on and saying, you can do it. That's what the pacer said. The word says that, I mean, when I was going through history and listening, it said they would come alongside and then they would see something on the track ahead and they'll say, hey, hey, jump over the hurdle. It's about to come. Jump now. Jump now. Or they would say, slow down a bit. Pull it back. Pull it in. Rein it in. Now release it. Let it go. Let it go. So that's the things that we are speaking into this next generation. It takes both of us to get the God factor to this world that we're living in right now. And I believe that all, with all my heart that every mothering part of us in here is going to step to the plate and do what God's called us to do. This is what I want to say to you and challenge you. If you've lost your connection to your youth, you'll have a hard time leading the cults. If you've lost your connection, find a connection. Find a connection. The last thing my dad said before he left with us in body, I mean in spirit, he, it was two days later when he passed, but the last thing he said openly when I said, Dad, he's out on the porch. Do you want us to take you inside? And uh, are you ready to, or do you want us to bring something more out here and bring you some ice cream? He said, I want to go in there. It was all of my grandkids and kids sitting around the table playing cards and having fun. And my dad said, I want to go in there and have fun. I... I think about it. I never forget that. It, it bears into me that every day I cannot lose my connection to this generation. I will not let resentment keep us apart. I will not let the fact that they do things differently than we do things keep us from synergizing to bring God to this generation. I declare right now that I will be a part of what God has ordained in this last day, and I believe that we all will. So I declare that I will not be, I will not in any way be one that won't untie not only myself, but help untie them, untie their hands, and let them be loose to move in praise and worship and do what they feel God is telling them to do. And somewhere along the way, they have to hear what we have to say when the alarm bells go off. But somehow, this is what I wrote. You can't embrace 
what you're prejudiced against. You cannot embrace what you're prejudiced against. And so somehow we have to get a hold of what God is saying to us in this generation as a mothering generation. One generation can't get there without the other. we got to go together. But the young cults, let me tell you this as we get ready to close today. You will mess up your greatest opportunity. You will mess up if you don't walk in humility every day and submission. I beg you and I plead with this generation to let humility be the, bear, the, the, the ground on which you stand. Because if you don't have that humility, you're not going to make it. And submitted to the other generation constantly. Constantly. It's a give and a take. It's us submit to them. Them submit to us. And here we are. At, at some point, you got to listen to your mom. At some point, you got to listen to your dad. And understand that they have been there before you. And if they're hollering on the side, watch out, don't go there. It's not because they don't want you to have fun. It's because they don't want you to fall. It's because they don't want you to stumble. It's because they don't want you to hurt yourself. This is our time to come together. Say, come together. History and limits and failures of the past somehow... We get into this weary and well-doing syndrome. But we declare that this generation does not have those limitations. And they will be able to move us forward. It can be done. I talked about Roger. I think his name is Bannister. But we, and how that he won that race and his testimony was. It wasn't just me, but it was what I was hearing from others that touched the hear, hearer in me, not the earer, the hearer in me. And he said, I heard the encouraging, and I didn't take it as telling me what to do. But he said, I took it as they could see further than me. They didn't have the limitations I had. They had been there before. And he said, as I listened to them, I knew that I was going to break that record. There was just something in me. And there's something in me today that just knows at the end of the day, God knew that we were going to be here where we are in the best and the worst of times, but he knew that he would bring generations together in such a way that we would be able to have everything we needed and we could stir up the gifts of God in order to bring this world, Jesus, in a real and authentic and Holy Spirit way that they would embrace it. So I'm going to end today real quickly just by asking all the youth and young people, just say, you know, pin wherever you are in Epi, I mean, uh, Anthem, Alive, all the way through the youth and young adults, if you would just come and flood this altar with me right now. Because I want to pray a prayer over you. You're not going to be embarrassed. You're not going to be called out unless God gives us a specific word. And he would only do that if he was uh, calling you higher, not to embarrass you in any way. But y'all spread out over here so it's not one-sided. Yes, look at these wonderful, wonderful colts. Keep spreading out. Spread out some more. There's, look at all these colts. Give them another hand. I, I just want to talk to you just a minute. But first of all, I want to represent all of the negative input that your person feels like you've received from my generation. And I want to apologize to you for that because the truth is we mess up sometimes. We do. Because what you're about to enter into, we have been where you are, but we didn't know a whole lot more when you, we were where you are than you know. But we thought we did too. And so then we start making mistakes when we have you. Because we've never been that way before, and we didn't know, and we did the best we could at times. That doesn't excuse us. 
I'm not trying to do that, but I am trying to say, give us a little bit of mercy because we don't, we don't know how to handle all the problems. But this is one thing I've learned, and my heart is so stirred for you. I'm not shaken, but I'm stirred with compassion because you're facing things I didn't face at your age. You're facing situations that as, as a parent now and a grandparent, I didn't have to worry about that. I was shielded. Our world was somewhat shielded from that. And you have things that you're dealing with right now we never dealt with. Some of us. Some of us did. And so I just want to say, we need you. We love you. Please forgive us for not doing everything right for not always saying and being the encourager. And it seemed like we were nagging at times. Really, our heart didn't mean to do that. Our heart just wants you to win. We want you to get it right. We want you to be better than us. You've got to be so much better than us because your world needs it. So I'm asking you, first of all, to forgive us. Secondly, give us mercy, a little bit of mercy. And give us a, an opportunity to get it as good as we can get it in this hour. But after that, I just want to pray over you. Because I believe that the God of the supernatural that you've read about, and you watch movies about the supernatural, but some of you have never experienced it for yourself, I'm believing that that God is going to so overshadow you and overpower you that you're going to know that you know that you know that God is not only God, but that God has blessed you and he has touched your life personally. Not just your grandmas, not just your mamas, not just your daddies or your grandpas, but your life. And you're going to fulfill the destiny and calling on your lives. There is no greater present that you can wrap up with a check big enough that could ever, ever come up and, and ab absolutely even measure what it means to us. The greatest gift for motherhood, for fathers and mothers, is to see their children walk in their God-given destiny. That's the best gift we could ever get. There's nothing better than that. Nothing. And I mean that. And I'm speaking for them as well. So here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to put your hands out like this. All of you. We're about to stand and we're going to dismiss in a moment. I'm going to ask some parents and prayer partners and people just to come and stand behind you. Would you do that? Just some an, a next generation people, some mother generation. Come and stand behind these young people that are coming into agreement and synergizing and saying, we'll be here. We'll be here for you. Not to make you feel less than ever. Not to make you feel like you can't do it. But just to encourage you and to warn you at times and say, don't go that way because there's a hurdle you're going to hit and you'll be hurting yourself badly. And we don't want you taken out of the race before your time. We want you in it for such a time as this. So let's just come all the way across this next generation, please. We're coming into agreement for this generation. And together, we as parents and a mother generation and a grandparenting generation are going to come into agreement with you. And as you bring the Son of the living God into this world, we're going to be backing you all the way. We're going to be with you. We're going to be absolutely giving it everything we can. As you stay submitted and humble, we are going to do the same thing toward you. That is our promise. Now, Father, I pray over every student right now. And I believe and know that this is a cold generation, that you ordained for such a time as this. And, Lord, we thank you that you are stirring up the gifts within them right now. Let every one of them feel the touch of your hand. Now, the Word says by the laying on of hands. So just touch their back very softly, very 
very, yes, very softly, every one of them. I want them to know that the gifts are being stirred up inside of them. Father, I thank you that by the power of the Holy Spirit, they are receiving and knowing that you have called them for such a time as now. And they have everything they need. Father, we trust you that you have empowered them with your glory, with your anointing. Encounters, let them have supernaturally with you. Father, I thank you that as we ask them and you for forgiveness for so many times not portraying you in the best possible way to them, that they will know and feel that our, our heart is to only do what is good toward them. So we ask their forgiveness now, and we ask that you empower us as the next generation to only stir up the good and the greatness that's inside of them. We declare, Lord Jesus, that together we will join hands and hands. We will join hearts and hearts. And together, we will bring you into the people that are so desperate and hungry for your glory. Now, thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, I want us to do one thing. Grab hands with every one of y'all intertwined with some people behind you, in front of you. Yeah, come in and get in front. There you go. There you go, because it takes together. Father, I thank you. Now I'm going to pray over you. Would you stand with us? We're going to pray together that the Holy Spirit of God, as we bless you today, we're asking the Lord Jesus' hand of anointing to be upon each of you. And Father, we thank you that we are becoming one together. Our hearts are synced together. No more prejudices. No more, uh, no more rebellion against any generation. But Father, we have hearing, hearing hearts for each other so that we can synergize you in a dying, lost world. That we will be stirred by what we see. We thank you, Father, that these generations are going to produce your glory. Your glory. We declare that we will be those, Lord, and a church that brings together and meshes together generations, multiple generations, and we will bring you in. We will show you, Father, to a people that are lost and dying, and so we bless this congregation today. We declare, Lord, that your hand is upon them, that you bring peace upon them, that you smile upon them everywhere they go, in every place they go, in the marketplace, in the schoolhouses, wherever they go in the home, that the gifts of God are going to be very apparent upon their lives. And we declare, Lord Jesus, that their steps are ordered of you. They are blessed, they are blessed in the city. They are blessed in the field. We bless them in Jesus' name. We love you, Father. Give Jesus a hand clap. We'll see you this week. Have a blessed Mother's Day. We love all of you. God bless you.